ahead. Listen, yeah, you got to work on your technique because it took me like two hours to come. Okay, this is a crank call. This is yeah, not a crank call. That's why I call. Okay. Okay. Let's call the please. That's it. No more callers. Okay. 9-11. As we know, the, the World Trade Towers were humbled by two planes with uh, alleged terrorists driving the planes into the uh, Trade Towers. Also, other buildings in the area uh, collapsed. Some authorities on fires and buildings say that never in the history of fires has a still structured building collapsed because of a fire. We understand it was rocket fuel on the plane also. This is, until 9-11, that's never occurred. And I haven't heard a whole lot of people wondering about that. On the Internet, of course, there's always people wondering and, and coming up with conspiracy theories about things that happen. But these trade towers, just things I've seen buildings do from implosions, look very much like an implosion. I, in the um, firemen reported that they heard explosions inside the building while they were inside the building. They had to run out because they were in there trying to save people. You know, I was just wondering, you know, what, you know, our listeners um did we just forget about that, or what, you, what did you think at the time that it happened, and what do you think now? Is your opinion, do you have a different opinion about what might have happened on that day then than you do now? My um, opinion is that these airplanes with the rocket fuel or whatever kind of fuel is in there, Possibly call. I'm not an expert, but I, I'm, I, I kind of agree with the experts on some of these. Some of these experts that those, that those planes can't cause that kind of collapse of a building. I think the buildings were what 80 something stories. The 80 the story. I think the where the planes hit on the 80 this floor, 80 something story, and the building might have been 100 stories, 100 something stories high. The building hit that high. How does how do the lower floors collapse? How does that happen? You know, it seems kind of, I'm no authority on it. I don't have the right to, to say uh, much about it, except that it looked very much like an implosion. And to go with that, we have uh, building number seven. Now, building number seven was not hit by a plane. Just some debris that caused some small fires on some floors. Debris from on towers one and two, and that building. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but that building also appeared to implode. So callers, uh, we have any listeners, callers, and on what do you think about that? What do you think at the time that you saw it happen? It, were you kind of suspicious? And what do you think about that now? Is your thoughts about that? particular incident, have you got some information about it? Have you formed new ideas about it? Also, no one's calling on that. It's also, the uh, mass, the recent mass shooting, was that in Georgia, 
we have a, a gentleman who they say was a frequent. Uh, he went to the club frequently. It was a club frequently uh, used by um, the uh, lesbian, gay, uh, transsexual uh, community. And he, uh, apparently this guy, after being watched under the watch of the FBI, at least on two separate occasions, is able to get these weapons, guns, and went into the club and murdered at least 50 people. And I think he shot at least 50 more people. Um, I heard, I think I heard someone say that, uh, I was on the feature or somebody said that, that that was a good thing because of, because of the orientation of the individuals. And, um, you know, I was wondering, uh, is that something that some people think that that made this guy was uh, acting at the hand of God? Or was he acting as the hand of the devil, or was he acting on his uh, on accord, accord? What do we say about uh, this young man? And, uh, you know, I hear that they uh, have associated him. You him. have a call. Oh, welcome to the basketball. Hi, Carlton. How you doing tonight? Okay. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, I'm just going to get off the topic that you're on and. Since this is an open forum, um, just some thoughts that I had about some information you shared on one of your um, other shows, something that was kind of, you know, new for me. I didn't know until you had, you know, uh, talked about it, um, about how guys wear their pants down below their their um, belt, their waistlines. And I thought it was pretty interesting um, to wear that originated from, um, I know you, you were saying that guys in prison did this, wore their pants down low, and that meant that they were available for sex. And seeing over the past several years, you know, men and teens, you know, guys wearing their pants like that, it just makes me wonder, um, do do guys know where this originated from? And if they did you know, is this some, like a statement that they're making? Is, um, you know, would they, if they knew where it came from and what it meant, would they stop wearing their pants like that? Just, you know, I found that to be really interesting. Well, that's a practice that individuals who are incarcerated who subscribe to same-sex relationships that's the way that they advertise the availability. Mm-hmm. Also, another origin of why the pants might be worn that way in prison is because when they take the belt away from you, right? And if you don't have pants that fit your waist size exactly, they're going to fall off you or fall down on you. So, therefore, if you're incarcerated, they take your belt away from you and your belt and your waist, the pants that you bought, you bought, say, two sizes up, your pants are going to fall on you similar to the way these guys are wearing their pants. You understand? Right. Yeah. So, so I don't know if that's the original, I, I don't know if it originated with um, individuals who were trying to solicit sex in prison, but that's one of the origins of, of that type of uh, style. The right, other yeah. Is prison 
life itself in terms of what happens when you come into the prison system, the penal system, and, you know, they start taking things away from you that you use as a weapon or hang yourself and things like that. So if right, they take right. it away from you, your pants are big, they're going to fall. Right. So I don't know I don't know that everyone wearing their pants that way are trying to, are, are trying to advertise sex. You know, but to your question is why are these individuals not covered, being covered? Why do they feel so comfortable walking around with their behinds out? Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's not even a, it's not just a matter if um, guys who who are soliciting sex do that. Even if it wasn't that, would it still be an issue to you? Right. I mean, it just that if if got young guys they wear their pants like that, do the I, I just wonder, do they know that this is what it you know it can represent if you're in prison that they're soliciting sex, you know that they're available. So out there out in the street, and mostly it's just young guys, some middle aged guys that you'll you'll see with their pants like if they knew that. That means that they're available for sex, um, same sex. Um, would they would they pull their pants up? Maybe make sure that they have a belt on. You know, it just I don't know. I'm just not liking the style. I see so many butts and underwear and everything, and it just I'm ready for them to change. And I'm just wondering if you know if men knew what this really what this you know meant would. Would they change their style and, and pull their pants up? Well, does it does it mean that to them? Or just right. If it but then maybe that, they don't you know, know that that's what it couldn't. You know that it could mean. I didn't know it. Maybe how many other young guys, fifteen, seventeen, twenty? Do, maybe they don't know it either. Right, but maybe it doesn't mean that to them though. So therefore, right. when when you bring that point up, it has not the same meaning. Therefore, it. No need to change my behavior because I'm not doing it for that reason. Okay. Doesn't mean that. Maybe it means they want to attract a female. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I don't know. It's the style that these guys have that basically they don't have any pants on because I've seen it below. It's not on, period. It's not covering their butt. Right, yeah. It's, it's that much of their body out. And maybe they're doing that to attract Females, we don't know. I mean, see, so you sit and talk to somebody, you sit down and have a you know, survey, and ask some of these guys, are, are you are you trying to attract males or females? That's a, maybe that's the survey I could do one day. Yeah, maybe yeah, it's definitely it's definitely worth you know researching and like you said, doing a survey and and talking about it and getting other callers their opinions on it and. Um, you know, I know it goes hand in hand with the way women dress as well. You know, wearing clothes that don't fit them as well. Right, so but what are they trying to attract? Are they attracting men and women? And women? Are they attracting women when they rebuild their body? Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. So I don't know. You know, now I'm not defending the, the style. You know, I think that you, you should. You know, you got pants on. And, you know, I understand not wearing your pants up over your on your waist. Like, I don't think too many people wear their pants high on the waist. You know what I'm saying? Because that could be uncomfortable. Right. Yeah, I'm not saying wear them high on their waist, but, you know, at least to cover their, you know, their their underwear. Well, I, I think so, you know. I, I, <laughs> I think they should be covered. Oh, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. The why, the why people do that is interesting because you're going to attract whoever you 
whoever is attracted to you, male or female. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So whether or not you subscribe to same-sex relationship or not, you, you still are capable of attracting individuals who do. Right. It's what it is, you know. But, I, you know, since you brought it up, I, I wonder if guys that do that, maybe that means I'm, you know, maybe that's the new stuff. I don't know. Uh-huh. Maybe look at me, you know, for a guy, like a woman might have her breast out and her, you know, something tight on her, you know, with her uh, butt is Call very physical. Yeah, I, interject. I have an answer for you for the why. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Do you have an answer? Yeah, yeah, got, um, yeah, 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 because, you know, I'm still, I'm still close to individuals that... That's uh, in that lifestyle where you're doing the outreach or what have you. But the the, his, the history of it, they used to take your sneaker strings and your belt buckles to, to prevent suicide. Now, because of there was a problem, there was a big problem with the campaign down. That's why today we wear the one piece and then and he today, left, but he came back, didn't he? It's no. Because it's just a style. It's just a fashion. You know, it's get, I know it's getting lower and lower, but it's just a fashion state. Now, most of these young guys don't even know the reason why. So yeah, that's what I think. I, I think they pretty. don't know where it originated from. So they're just being sheepish, you said. Huh? Mr. Jones, you said the guys are just being sheepish. You said it's a fashion statement. So these guys are just being sheepish, just following the leaders. Yes, yes. And they don't even know the reason why. They couldn't even tell you the reason where where it originated from. Yeah, I think a lot of them, if they knew where it originated from, they would pull their pants up and wear belts. I don't think so. They love it. (laughs) I think you're right, but I I hope that they would change because it doesn't look good, and it doesn't leave much for the imagination either. Let's find out. Let's do a little survey, and we bring it back on the show and see what we come up with. Right, right. Definitely a lot to talk about and get getting other people's opinions and, and really, you know, finding out what men of all ages, from 15 all the way up to 40, you don't see too many guys in, in like 40 wearing them like that, but you do see teens, you see 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds. I wonder how they how they run with them, but they they hold them I up see, and they women run. Women wearing their pants like that now. Women wearing their pants, young women wearing their jeans like that now, so they can show their tattoos on the back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I even see a lot of guys, young guys mainly, wearing the low-rise jeans. You know, like how the girls wear the belts and they just, you know, got a little bit of jean, at the, you know, around the waist. I, and I see um, a lot of young guys, mainly I'm going to say between 17 and early 20s, wearing those low-rise jeans, just like girls do. Nice and tight. Oh, you mean skinny jeans? Yeah, skinny. Well, I call them low rise, but yeah, skinny jeans, low rise. I find that to be funny too. That that they would, you know, wear something like that 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 females wear. So you think it's okay for females to wear low rise jeans? Uh, 
I mean, I think if they have a shirt and it's tucked in, nobody wants to see there at the crack of their butts either. Like, I mean, I would hope that they don't want to show their cracks, but I guess the guys like to see the cracks of their butts. Some do, but I don't know. I mean, in my opinion, I I think the, the I think that the skinny jeans are okay for girls to wear. Um, because. I just it's just a style. I I like the style myself as long as they have their shirt tucked in and they're not, you know, bending over showing their underwear, their um the crack of their butts. But I don't jeans, spandex. They're not really jeans No, no, at no, all, no, right? no. They're not spandex, they're jeans, they're denim. And no, they're jeans. low they're called low-rise jeans. You're probably okay. thinking of something different. Low-rise jeans means they come low I don't know down. What they, are. they look okay to me. <laughs> Mr. Jones likes them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they look nice. Just keep your shirt tucked in because nobody wants to see your crack of your butt. I wouldn't go that far. I think that uh, people are entertained by looking at the crack of a woman's eye. Oh, okay. That's why you have the sex industry uh, making so much money. Strippers and things like that. People pay a lot of money to see the crack of a woman behind. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? In a yeah. club. In a club. Right? <laughs> but they're paying in a club. So yeah, but when you're walking out in the street, you're not getting paid. Right. No, but he's not paying either. He keeps a couple of dollars in his pocket just walking out the street. Well, maybe, maybe you'll uh, think about doing a show, though, on this topic, because it's kind of interesting to me, you know, that guys, and the fad does not seem to be changing. You know, it's been, you know, around several years now, or young guys, the lower the better. You know, may, and maybe, you know, we can get some more insight on why and how and, you know, the Let's guys are doing why this. Why they wear their pants like that? Why they wear their pants yeah, like that? Yeah, that's what I, I want to know. I want to know why do guys... Want to dress like that? Well, I see I guys in, walking down the street, holding their, you know, putting their arm around their girlfriend, and they just walking. His pants will be way down, showing his underwear, showing his whole butt. Well, are we only concerned with the butt, not the front part? Yeah, the whole thing, everything. Well, I only hear butt. I'm only hearing. Well, butt, okay, butt, butt. his his whole private area. How about that? So it could be a, a something you could be doing some more research on, maybe. So I'll try to do a little survey, and it only be uh, in reference to the people that I surveyed. You do know that, right? Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for your time. Thank you for calling. You're welcome. Have a good night. All right. You too. All right. Bye-bye. So there we have it. You got any listeners out there who happen to wear their pants? Very, very low. Give us a call in and let us give us some insight on what is your thinking about uh, how you wear your pants. What is it? What does that mean? Why do you choose to show so much of yourself below the waistline? Back to the uh, shooting. Now, I heard someone say that, that was an active guy, and I was just wondering. How does how would that be, how could that be perceived as an act of God because of the their person's 
so-called sin nature, if you uh, believe that homosexuality is a sin, um, is one sin greater than the other in terms of the greater? Is uh, why not clubs, just the average club? Why not a person going in there, sending those people down there? Then I heard that this same guy was uh, said that he was a frequent uh, visitor at the club. Remember, I was a member of the club. I don't know if you remember anything like that. So, is that right in anybody's eyes to murder, to just mass murder people just because you think that you're in conflict with how they live? Should they be murdered or should you just not go where they are? Because this gentleman, uh, all he needed to do was not be there if he was that bothered by them. And these people didn't need to die for that. Is that right? Is that an act of God uh, that these people are shot or the devil? Or what do you think? I, uh, anybody here that's reaching, anybody was thinking about that, has been thinking about that lately? Because I think that was, that was the most people murdered, period, in a, in a mass shooting. And just, I mean, it was just incredible. And, uh, um, Sympathy goes to family, friends, for these people because they didn't deserve to be gunned down like that. We are not to judge a jury for the behavior of others. If there's a behavior that you don't like, that you don't approve of, you should just separate yourself from that person. Let's be it a person selling drugs, their religion, their sexual preference. They're even the color of their skin. If you don't like uh, blacks, Chinese, or whites, how about just stay away from them? You don't have to kill them. You don't have to kill a bunch of them because that's got to solve the problem. That's just making things worse for everybody. Also, another problem. What do you think about that? Another thing I wanted to bring up was truancy. I'm noticing that it appears that Children are chewing at younger ages, and they seem to, some, I won't say all lack a vision for education, but they lack the inspiration. Uh, they're not inspired to go to school. And some of the reasons why some kids uh, lose that spark is, number one, uh, violence, either one away in school or on the way home from school that they, they lose that spark. And I'm saying it's about as far as like the first, second grade, they lose that spark. They don't want to go to school because there's someone there being aggressive to towards them. As you know, some of us live in very aggressive, hostile communities. And the uh, aggressiveness and hostility is handed down to the children in the community. Some of the children in the community, they take that aggressiveness and hostility to school and they perpetrate uh, aggression on other students who in turn become aggressors in defense of themselves and then you have this behavior problem in school and you have you have truancy and then you go up to the higher levels of the school you have, it leaves the house, doesn't make it to school, 
detours, cut class, you know, just not going to school because it's violent. They feel the school is out of control. Teachers cannot control the classroom, which is another issue because it's the teacher's job to be the disciplinarian and to teach at the same time, or should children come to school to learn? So that other children can come to school and learn, take the time out from the hostility of the uh, environment of which they come from, take that time out, use the school environment as a learning experience, a learning environment, therefore you have an opportunity to learn something, to actually learn something. What do we think about that? Any callers out there have any feelings about the truancy uh, of children in this appears to be an increase in truancy. When I was younger, I don't remember a lot of people being absent from school the way that I see truancy now. I see a lot of truancy and even parents uh, just maybe overwhelmed, teachers overwhelmed with the note thing. They got to, you know, have the notes to do the notes, you know, all kinds of things going on with truancy. So what do we, why do we feel about that as a community? and about our children being safe in school, uh, being uh, an environment which will allow them to be educated in school. What are our feelings about that? Any comments about 9-11, the mass shooting, or truancy in your school system, truancy and the cost of truancy, barriers to truancy, uh, and just, just uh, aggression, hostility. That's one of the uh, barriers. Also, the school staff are overwhelmed with the uh, population. Is the classes are too large? A large class is out of control. Hostile. It's a hard environment, harsh environment to educate anyone under. And it's amazing to just even come out with a decent education as decent of education as you can get from a public school. What do we, how do we feel about that? Any callers? Another thing I'd like to speak about, violence in the community. Is violence the number one way that we solve our problems? Are we so frustrated, are we debased that we feel injured in someone when we feel we've been disrespected by someone or violated by someone that there's a need to kill them? Or are we afraid that if we have conflict with someone else, that they will eventually kill us, so we go, some of us go right to the shooting phase of the earth. So, and they skip the argument, they skip the fist fight, because it's going to end up in a shootout. I, I once asked uh, some brothers on the street, how can we all shoot so much? You know, why is, what's going on with killing? Like, you know, why are you going to kill somebody? And they say, well, can't get a fair one. It's just going to turn into a shootout. So they skip the argument, they skip the fight, 
said, if you beat him up, he's going to go get his gun and come back and shoot, kill you. So they skip all of that, and they go right to the gunfight. And you, I know we are all hear these shots in the night, in the daytime, the afternoon, it doesn't matter what time of day. We have all kinds of shots in the, going off in the community, kids coming out of school. We have gunshots. People trying to come home, gunshots. On his step, the stoop, the curb, gunshot. You know, why and what can we do about the violence in our community? The attitude about life. Why do we have such a debased attitude about another person's life? Why are we so fearful in our community of each other? Because in order to decide, take a man's life, you must be fearful or hate or have a deep feeling of animosity for that individual. So, are we that? Are we so? Are we living in so much fear that we kill each other to prevent a person, individual, from killing you? Is it that way? Even if the person hasn't threatened to you, just the onset of a argument or a conflict. Is that what we come to or be so frustrated in our community that we just lash out against our brothers and sisters in a violent way, causing a death, murdering them and killing brothers and mothers, brothers and sisters, fathers, why do we do this? Any callers, any listeners? Murderers, I'm not sure, from ages 15 to, what is it, 15 and 34, 35, there's another one called the death for a black male homicide. Well, call, I think it's by design. Really? Look at it. I think it's by design, really. You think it's by design? Yes, it's so by design. Who's designing? What's the designer? Who's the Who's the architect of that design? Well, I well, we all know who the architects are because. Uh, oh, I think you have a caller here. Uh, okay, you have, you a, have call? a caller. Yeah. Caller, welcome back to the start. Hi, Carlton. Um, I was just listening again to what you were just saying about, you know, killing and people being frustrated. Um, I kind of really agree with that. People are frustrated. Um, I believe that sometimes people are their own worst enemies, too. They, they uh, It's like poverty. You don't have to uh, be rich to pick the trash up in your house or to wash your dishes, you know. People sometimes make their make their environment, you know, they make it un- unpleasant, and they don't always have to. It's just like um, they're frustrated about things, and it makes them turn, you know, to crime. But sometimes people can do a little something to make make things a little bit better. But I just think people are, you know, they're frustrated, and they don't know what to do. You know, they don't know how to make a situation a little bit better. You know, it's like like neighborhoods. Like he's saying about poverty, you know, you don't have to be rich to pick the trash up in your apartment 
or to wipe your table down, you know, and, you know, people, they don't, they can't find jobs, they, or they find jobs that can't support their families, so it's it's just a lot of frustration, and people don't know how to express themselves in a positive way, and you do have a lot of positive people out there, but, you know, guys who are frustrated, girls who are frustrated, they don't want to listen, you know, they just, they just think that it's, not worth it, you know. They it's it's better to scream and holler and fight and shoot. You know, I, I see a lot of um anger and attitude. I was yesterday I was driving in a really busy neighborhood and a car was in front of me and and he had the right of way and a young young girl in her twenties with two small children crossing the street against the light and She's yelling at the guy, and she she didn't have the right of way. You know, she's giving him all kinds of attitude, holding traffic up, you know, just standing there causing a big commotion in the middle of a really busy intersection with two small kids. You know, and, and, it, and it just didn't make sense that she's going to put these two small children, probably like a, a three- and a five-year-old, in, in harm's way. Like, this is a really busy intersection. Like, you're crossing against the light. And you're giving this man who could have run you over, <laughs> and you're giving him all this this grief. It, it just really didn't make sense for what she did, and with, with two small kids. Right. You know, I, it, just to piggyback on what you're saying, that's another uh, issue I like to uh, bring to uh, the attention of the listening uh, audience. I call that the silly death walk. Cause you're talking about Philadelphia, right? Mhm, mhm. Right. So I'm, I call that, I call that the silly death walk, and that's, that's a, I have that same question. Why do people feel unafraid by moving ongoing traffic? Why do you feel like that person you gotta stop, gonna stop for you? Why do they feel so confident that they won't be hit by these vehicles that they willingly set? Right, I'm, exactly. I'm I, don't, I don't have an answer to that one. I mean, this is one. This is fascinating to me because I've seen, and, and it's not. It's not a thug thing. It's not a male thing. As he just said, it was a female or a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, you can see why the children are going to do it because the children are doing it behind their mother. Right. 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 Now they, that means the kids going to be doing it. So we can already see the learning process here. So. You know, but it's interesting. What makes a person feel safe in front of over 500 pounds of steel coming toward him or right. still flat, still hurt? And it, and it wasn't to, like the light changed when she had already started walking across the street. The light had, she had the red light for, you know, quite a bit of time because several cars went through the light, and she just kept coming through. And the the man that was in front of me that she was, you know, arguing with, he had the right of way, you know, and what kind of example is she setting for her children to do this type of stuff, you know? And I'm just wondering if other parents do it, things like this in front of their children and they grow up in this environment, you know, seeing their mothers, their fathers screaming and hollering, cursing the neighbors out, cursing the the old lady next door, you know, being disrespectful, you know, throwing trash down, you know, I'm just wondering how many kids are growing up in this type of environment, these type of situations, and then is this possibly affecting them as young adults to make poor decisions? 
a coincidence. He just gave a good example. The lady mm-hmm. was walking her children across the street against the light into or across traffic. Right. Can't get a better example of that. Right, and, and and it wasn't like it was just a little small street corner. This was a really busy uh, two streets in, in West Philadelphia, and I, I just couldn't believe that she she and then she arguing with the driver <laughs> like she just I didn't know what to do but just sit there and shake my head, you know, like even though the law says yield to possession, it doesn't mean that you have a right to endanger you and your children and the operator of the automobile because you're endangering that person also because they have to make a sudden stop because you make a poor decision to right. cross the right in front of them. But what and and she, she could have stop. caused she could have caused me to crash into the back of the car in front of me. The car in back of me could have crashed in, into, right. into right. you know, it could have been a chain reaction. Three, four, right. five cars could have been uh, you know, involved in an accident, all because she wants to cross when she wants to cross and not wait for the light and be safe. Right. Right. So I, I was just listening, you know, to what you were saying about people being frustrated, and you know, it, it's a lot of variables of why people do what they do. You know, um, I, I think people are just angry, and they they. Sometimes the kid people are tortured, and then they just grow up with that bitterness in them, and it just makes them become bitter adults. You know, there's so much you can't even pinpoint one or two particular things. You know why people are like they are. But anyway, just wanted to uh, throw that out there. I was listening to your um, comments, so thanks a lot. Oh, you're welcome. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. So what we have, so I think the common denominator seems to be uh, poverty and how people adapt to poverty, how poverty impacts on different individuals. So poverty is a form of, of powerlessness to some extent can be viewed as a form of powerlessness because we impoverished in a capitalist system which promotes materialism and you are impoverished. So one way of achieving a power may be to walk in front of a vehicle. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Or maybe in someone's mind that you stop makes them feel powerful, makes them feel special. You're not going to feel special getting tossed 20 feet in the air, hitting that ground. Maybe on the other hand, people are so impoverished that they are hoping to get hit just to get that lawsuit. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know because it's one of the things that happens after one of those uh, cars hit you. The next thing uh, people look at are looking at is the lawsuit. So are we so impoverished that we hope to make money through uh, our own tragedy, and that we uh, facilitate, we co-facilitate that tragedy by putting ourselves 
a harmed wrist. Uh, you know, there are individuals who are known to uh, take those type of chances for that purpose. Somewhere deep down in somebody's mind that, hey, if they hit me, I'm going to sue the hell out of them. And that makes that worth doing. I don't know. To me, it's not worth the pain. Not worth the aggravation. I've had broken bones and not fun. It's just not worth it. You can't pay me to break a bone. So we have people who are impoverished, who resort to violence because of their frustration. And just that alone, they try to, if they feel disrespected, because maybe they feel disrespected that they're in the position that they're in in life. They are impoverished. They feel disrespected. They feel they can't do it. They don't feel they can do much about their position. They're impoverished. Nothing I can do about it. I can't get out of this hole. I don't know what to do. I keep making uh, decisions that aren't helping me. So maybe I scare some people because to have people fear you is a sense of power. And you see that it's a sense of power. I walk down the street, you get out of my way, you fear me. Therefore, I feel powerful. I don't have to have a dime in my pocket. I can have the worst house in the neighborhood. But when I walk down that street, I see that you fear me. That may be uh, my way or an individual's way of obtaining power. You don't have to go to school for that. You don't have to take a test. You don't need anybody's approval. You get the approval from your victim, from the individuals who are fearful of you. So maybe that is something that's why speak to why people are so violent in the community. Then again, if you don't have, it's an old saying, which if, I watch, if I don't have something, take it. So I'm unable to work, make the money, get what I need. So in that light, I also victimize my community. Although we don't, Sometimes individuals do not perceive themselves as victimizing themselves as a result of victimizing others. The community becomes more violent because as you victimize someone, someone is looking to victimize you. Also, the police may be looking for you to incarcerate you for the crime you committed, though, you know. Like a snowball rolling down the hill, a, a snow hill, bigger and bigger and bigger and worse. And that's what's happening in the community. With uh, the more impoverished you become, the more crime. Is there a connection between poverty, crime, violence? Sure it is. Although crime is not simply the child of people who are impoverished, crime is the child of those who commit crimes against others. You could be rich and commit a crime. You, for whatever reason you choose to commit a crime, you can be poor, and the conditions of poverty, how they impact on you, may facilitate uh, the conditions for violence or criminal behavior, poor decisions, 
popular core decision that we make when we're impoverished is to sell drugs. We know that's a quick way to earn money, get that new car, that nice house, so forth like that. We know that's the way to earn money. Any listeners out there, anybody want to chime in on violence, poverty, who's facilitating the poverty, what are the conditions that facilitate poverty, which I will come back on this topic because we're going to have a show on it, poverty and and its relationship to violence and crime and prostitution and things like that. How do we feel about that? Is it our fault? You didn't get your education, you didn't go to school. You were, as I previously said, he said, you were a truant. You didn't go to school. Now you don't have an education because you need a high school diploma to get uh, going to the tech schools nowadays. So if you don't do what you're supposed to do, from that point, what happens if you have parents who are depressed? Everybody's not on drugs in the community. You have parents who are addicted to drugs, addicted to other things, a multi-addict, multi-addicted to drugs, sex, and just trying to, in their own mind, survive and become someone in this impoverished community. How do you help yourself, your neighbor? feel good about themselves? How do you boost the esteem of individuals who are systemically impoverished? Because poverty, as you see, is systemic. Because we all live in an economic system. And when you see poverty that we live in, we all can't be presidents. We all can't be doctors. We all can't be Indian chiefs. We need people to sweep the street, pick up the trash, Clean windows, all those jobs are necessary. So why do we have so much poverty? Is it solely corporate America? Can we blame corporate America for all, and government for all the poverty that we see, for all the failures of the individuals who are from the environment, impoverished environment? Do we blame government, so-called watchdogs for not looking over, looking after the uh, hen house, letting the fox in the hen house, that would be a government, letting those who have the ability to line their pockets or influence them to get what they want, interest groups, special interest groups, or individuals who line their pockets with money or favors or whatever it is they like, blackmail them or harvest them, I don't know. Or is this thing so complex that everything that we mentioned is a part of poverty and why some individuals remain in poverty for generations? Because if my mother was depressed, impoverished, and she's teaching me to do things there or uh, to make poor decisions, then I'm going to learn Poor decision-making for my parents, my mom or my dad, my uncle, whoever was raising my grandma, whoever. I may learn it from the guy next door. My mother may be 
telling me everything right, but my community might be teaching me and helping me to make poor decisions. I've seen people from the impoverished community not participate in some of the uh, poor decision-making. Not to say these these are perfect individuals, but I've seen people who just weren't out there for some of the foolishness that uh, others were out there for. They they just wasn't having it. They weren't tough people. They were just guys and girls that were like, I don't do that. And they were just as poor as the next guy. I've seen people who had a little bit of money in the community. And they were out there. So it's just maybe it's for violence, maybe there's an attraction to that. Violence is attractive. So we uh, glamorize violence and violent people. You understand? We have role models for violence. We have movies where we glamorize and popularize and even uh, the method of violence. Those actually movies. How is the how do we help this community? How do we help our community, our society, who basically is addicted to violence? A portion of it anyway. I won't say about the kids, but there's a lot of violence that is attractive. You see it on television, movies, there's a lot of violence and they sell. These movies sell. Nobody said, Oh, the violent movie. I'm not going to that. They say, whoa, you got to go see that. So we're going to come back to these subjects on violence in the community, poverty and violence, poverty and prostitution, because there's an increase in uh, prostitution with the uh, increase in families, uh, individuals who are uh, living below poverty level, the relationship between poverty and uh, violence and poverty. Philly Death Walk is a, I don't know what that is, and it's like Jim Lee was talking about that, and, and, you know, kind of makes you get dry, because I see, I, I don't know what it is, but it's a lot of people from different backgrounds. Uh, not just male-related. It's not a thug thing. You would think a thug, that would be something a thug would do, but that's something I find children doing. Little kids come out of elementary school and looking at you like you're crazy when you're in your car. They don't even look, they don't even turn to, to see that if you're going to stop for them. I mean, they just have that kind of sign about you driving your over 500 pounds of rubber and steel down the street, which can actually kill them. You know, they don't even know that you can even see some of them. That's how young they are doing them. Playing basketball, they don't want to move. How do they know you won't run their toes over? How do they know you can drive that good? How do they know if you're not drunk, having a heart attack or something like that? I don't know. Maybe we need to have a survey on that also just to, to just see what people are thinking about. Why don't they move? Why do they blindly trust or expect that people aren't going to run them over when People get run over all the time. Okay. Well, no one had anything to say about the 9-11. Is that just, everybody just do that? 
in the back, that's like history now. Nobody thinks that anything very odd about the twin tower. Well, I feel not only used just to go after the oil in Iraq. When I first heard, and this is going back years, 2001, when I first heard that the pilots were, were from Saudi Arabia, I said, wow. You know, we got problems with Saudi Arabia. They with George Bush, who was the president at the time, said, no, it was from Saddam Hussein. And, and, and people don't remember, when George Bush was running for president, president gets, um, gets the vice president at the time, uh, Al Gore, he was campaigning about going back into Iraq. So this is not the first time that a president used American strategy to get into a war that they wanted to get into. Like uh, President Roosevelt, you know, uh, uh, made Japan bomb uh, Pearl Harbor so he could fight in World War II uh, over Europe. And, uh, so what I'm trying to say that it's a whole lot. Uh, now we find out certain reason why we uh, uh why the Twin Towers came down. You know, uh, right. Because there's no weapons of mass destruction found in Iraq. We know that, right? That's a fact now. But yeah. then there's no war crime, there's no war crime uh, committed either. No, nobody's been um, even, you know, nobody's even suggested that. <clears throat> And you got to remember, Don Cheney made billions of dollars off the Iraq war, who was the vice president at the time. Right. 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 So and it's not a strategy to, to murder uh, thousands of people. That's the worst strategy ever. That's treason. You will not be able and to like stay to home, brother. Our listeners, and I call it. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on stag and skip out for beer during commercial because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox and four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams. Alright, Carl, that's the show. What's up, man? Alright, man, I'm near you. Huh? 